Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 11. I think there's more, more of these than there are Star Wars films now, so that's a good start. We're officially better than Star officially Wars. Officially maths, that was. Um, <laughs> don't forget, the current issue of Metal Hammer is out and on sale right now. In fact, it is the last week that you can buy the current issue featuring Trivium, Code Orange, Power Trip and Venom Prison, which brings us to the next point. It's Metal Hammer Tour Week, guys. Yay! Come on! And it's summer. Yes, as we speak, we're in a heat wave in the heart of London. <laughs> Bloody brilliant. Uh, yeah, the, the Metal Hammer Tour uh, featuring those four bands has been smashing through the UK already played a packed out Birmingham show they played Bristol getting excellent reports uh, all around the UK of these shows so uh, if you've been to one of them tweet at us let us know how it went uh, and Elle and I will uh, see you at the show on uh, on Friday oh no Saturday sorry Saturday we're going to be at the show in Brixton the big finale uh, but we'll, uh, we'll go into that a little bit later on um, and as I said it is the last chance this week for you to buy the current issue with those bands on or the Iron Maiden variant which is currently available in Tesco uh, which means that next week we'll be announcing a brand new issue of Metal Hammer Ooh, very exciting isn't it what's going to be inside oh you will find out Elle you'll find out <laughs> we don't tell her until it goes on sale um, <laughs> what have you been up to we went to Epica didn't we Elle yeah last week we that did. was fun we did, it was Merca, Oceans of Slumber, and Epica. Yeah. Three very different, but uh, very kind of uh, thriving bands, I'd say. Yeah, I, it was my first time seeing Oceans of Slumber and Merca, and I was really impressed by both bands. Oceans of Slumber doing that kind of soulful metal, and Merca I'd never seen, um, and she really created an atmosphere, I thought. She had flowers on the microphone stand and her long gown, and all her backing bands Big were drum. wearing... Yeah, Big drum. Big old drum, smashing the head out of that. Backing band wearing like cut off hooded jackets, which is pretty cool. Mm. Mysterious. Yeah, it was good. And, uh, Oceans yeah. were on first, weren't they, I think? Yeah, they were on first. Yeah, so what do you think about Because I, I think I watched them from not the best spot because the sounds it sounded a bit muddy to me. It sounded all right to me. Yeah. Um, and I think just because I hadn't seen them before, it's it's always just exciting to hear those songs come to life if you've never heard them. And I thought she was really good. She had a lot of presence. Yeah, Cammy's um, brilliant. Yeah, and... Uh, I really enjoyed it. Cool, yeah. For a big thumbs up from Elle. Um, and yeah, no, I thought they were really good. I just wasn't, uh, probably wasn't in the best place um, at the time. But yeah, Merca, interesting one. Saw Merca mm. supporting Souls to Fear uh, at Heaven, at the Heaven nightclub um, a few months back. And didn't really, it didn't really feel like she and the band had properly got their heads around how to uh, communicate those amazing songs off Maradit live. Um but this time I thought was a lot, lot more convincing. Like it sounded big. Uh, the acoustic stuff sounded really, really eerie and cool. The, the black metal stuff sounded like it filled the, the forum properly. Um, and she got an unbelievable response as well. It felt like everything was very intentional. You know, the setting, the way they'd done the stage was intentional. Her outfit was intentional. The band, the way they looked was intentional. They were playing with kind of, you know, n- knowing what they were doing, creating that theatrical vibe. And... I think they just had everyone transfixed because they had planned it so well. And I couldn't hear anybody talking when she was on. Every time she played a song, there was just literally rapturous applause. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good reception. It's true about that not talking thing either, considering the fact, you know, middle bands, um, people, most people presumably there for the headliners. Um, and there are a couple of tracks, like I mentioned earlier, where she kind of went into the slow, kind of really folky, kind of pagany stuff. Um, which was just her and a drum or her and one guitar um, and it was just totally hush when she was doing that stuff until she finished at which point everyone just lost their shit yeah very cool uh, what do you think of Epica? 
I'm always a bit torn on Epica. I think they do a fantastic show. You cannot fault the show. Um, absolutely sort of big production, lots of lights, really bombastic, really dramatic. Again, really exceptionally well put together show. Definitely. But I've never really connected with the band's music. They've obviously got a few hits, but it doesn't, I don't think they're my band. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. They, uh, they don't, for a lot of people, they don't seem to have the same, I mean, for me, I, I don't feel quite the, the same emotional connection to them as I do certain other symphonic metal bands. But, Having seen them at least kind of once on pretty much every album cycle over the last few years, they you, you, you know you spot on really. They they've really got to the point now where they put on a great show and you know they packed out the forum. It was pretty much sold out, I think, and and people were going absolutely nuts for it. And yeah, it's just one of the kind of most polished and reliable shows you can see in metal now. I think. Yes, yeah, Simone was great. You know, song after song after song, she her vocals are fantastic. You absolutely cannot fault it. Hell yeah, yeah! Three great bands, all on good form. That's what we like to see. And that was a Hammer sponsored tour, so as well. So we're very pleased it went well. Uh, Luke went to something a little bit more extreme. Uh, not that extreme. Because oh, it wasn't, was it? No. Sorry, I've just remembered. No, it was it was Winter Philip, but not as we know them. Yeah, because they released it was the release party or launch party for the Halloween of Her- Airdom album, which if you've not heard and you know Winter Philip, it's nothing like Winter Philip. It's <laughs> it's not ex- it's not an extreme metal album. It's all about it's a, basically a folk album, I guess, but quite you know dark and brooding and nasty as you'd expect from them, and it's all based around. English folklore there's lots of tales about witches and things and you know and stone circles and whatever else and they appear yeah they were playing the St Pancras Old Church uh, which is an amazing venue I've only been once before where I saw While She Sleeps there which yeah, yeah. very That's different great. vibe for Winterfell like, there was there were there was nine of them on stage they had Joe Quayle on cello who is amazing I saw her supporting Merca at another church earlier this year, wow. weirdly. Lots of churches. Um, but yeah, so she was on cello and there was like, yeah, another few members on there and they just played a load of new stuff, reworked some older, more acoustic songs and yeah, it just sounded incredible. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. Like, I, I, I don't really like Winter for this more black metal stuff, admittedly, but like this new direction they're going in is incredible. It just felt like, like the sound in there it was amazing, obviously, because it's like a, what, like 16th century church or something. So it sounds incredible. Um, maybe even older actually but the, yeah the acoustics were amazing and it was just all acoustic uh, obviously like, I think some bits were mic'd up but yeah no electric guitars or whatever and yeah it just sounded amazing and everyone was just like focused and enraptured on what was happening on stage it was such like a cool moment mm. for, for the band who yeah, realistically aren't as big as the, perhaps they could be yeah, for a no, British extreme metal band very yeah. very fair point they, I mean they're, they're very much a band that that kind of earthy folky mm. rootsy kind of side of the underground really works with because they've always had that element to them so it's quite cool to see them branching out and it's quite cool to see like you mentioned Sleeps have done it um, done a church thing Merca's done something similar um, I think it's great that we're getting to see bands being afforded the opportunities to do these kind of things now because yeah. it really gets you it just kind of shows you a different side of them and it shows you how much deeper the music often actually is yeah it's often you know not that I've seen it happen to them but it could you know potentially show up a band who just rely on the show and actually don't bring anything yeah. sonically to, to, to the live environment but I imagine you wouldn't get booked for a church if that, if that was the case no speaking of someone I'd be very interested to see booked for a church oh yeah <laughs> don't know what the hell that would be uh, a cathedral all, of party yeah we all went to see Andrew WK oh, on Saturday night uh, I mean 
I, I think if you know anything about Andy WK, you can probably imagine what it was like. But it was, it was even better than you'd imagined. It yeah. was fucking great, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd never seen him before. And it, so, what was, your, what was your first impressions? I've seen him once before, a few years back. Yeah, me too. Just how instantly that the adrenaline and the sort of euphoria hits. Like, as soon as he came on stage and opened with, was it "Music Is Worth Living For"? He yeah. opened with. Instantly, everyone was like, "Yep, I'm here." Like, and just levels of everything would just raise straight through the roof, mm. and it was like, "Yeah, okay." And it didn't really stop. No, it was bananas the whole way through, wasn't it? And yeah. it's I mean, there was definitely, uh, you know, the new album doesn't have quite as many of those obvious kind of like piano-led rock and roll, high-tempo numbers yeah, that it's yeah. known for. So there were a kind of, we said afterwards, there's a kind of a few lull moments in the set, which could, might have lent themselves a bit, because I guess it's quite rare for people to be able to just fully lose their shit for an hour and a half straight. Andrew yeah. WK did fully lose his shit for an hour and a half straight. Yeah, then. he didn't stop. He, yeah, imagine it's yeah. It was like a cross between being at a church service and inside a kids' cartoon. It yeah, was just the <laughs> it really was, was. Like, off the chart. And one thing I really admire about him is the fact that he always says you should party as much as you can, and even if you don't feel like partying, basically just start partying and put yourself <laughs> in that mindset, the party mindset, party and mindset. just do it. And you know, it's all very again, it's all very deliberate. And come on, and they do this big party show, and it's lunging at the keyboard, and it's singing, and all the his backing band are like playing a role and a character, and you can't help but get swept away on that. If you were in a bad mood before, you can't have left in a bad mood. No way. Yeah, it was really, really, really special. Very, very cool. The Ever night. again as well. The song Ever Again that always makes me throw my arms in the air. Anyway, even <laughs> if I'm on my own in my house, that sounded amazing, and I did throw my arms in the air. And I pretty much just shook Luke's shoulders and was like, Luke, yeah, ever much. again. And Luke just looked at me like he wanted me to die. <laughs> <laughs> Luke wasn't feeling the party. Uh, he was not. Uh, oh, no, yeah, I'm surprised I was to party, say that. I was partying on the inside. I'm surprised to hear you say that you thought it was all party you on the inside. Stuff because I was very overly excited. Party on the inside sounds like a slogan for Yakult or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, top yeah. of my You're partying very physically partying and you were not physically partying but no. who knows what your inner life is no, like exactly. I, I feel really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the 90 second countdown to party hard That you, when he started it I was like this is going to take forever this is going to be so stupid and then when he got to like number 50 suddenly everyone was like counting down then when he got to 20 everyone was just shouting <laughs> like so loud I think it was why 90? To, it was I 90, don't know it was 99 was it 99? I 99, thought it was 90 yeah, 99 because it's less, slightly less than 100 I don't know the best bit was when he got to 69 and there was like a collective snigger don't forget that you can also uh, listen to Luke speak in depth with Andrew WK in a very special Metal Hammer Meets Andrew WK podcast which is on uh, the very feed you would have got this one off somewhere so go and check it out it's very very good half an hour of some uh, very philosophical musings from Mr K Uh, (laughs) so you guys went to see a very special and unique film uh, this week didn't you do you want to talk about that We we mentioned it last week yeah, we went to see Screen for Me Sarajevo, which mm. is a new film looking at what happened when the UN invited Bruce Dickinson over to play there in the 90s. And at the time, um, Bosnia was under siege wow. um, during the breakup of former Yugoslavia, and Bosnian Serb forces had laid siege to Sarajevo, which is the capital of Bosnia. And Bruce went into this conflict zone to actually play a gig there. And this is something he talks about in his book, isn't it? What does it this is, button yeah. do? And he kind of goes into the you know the surrealism of kind of trying to set up a gig in the middle of what is literally a war zone yeah so it has the documentary was really interesting it was led by somebody from bosnia 
who uh, I think he was very young during the conflict, so he doesn't really remember. And he was kind of going and interview various people. And they had a Major Morris, I think his name was, yeah. um, who was the guy at the UN who actually asked Bruce to come over. And Harry kind of had this big idea that they could stage a gig um, and his superiors were kind of against it but he you know got in touch with Bruce Bruce said yes told his band members he didn't really know what was going on and they all went over there and they got there and they were told they had to turn around and go back because the conflict was too great and what happened is that they got offered a ride um, into Sarajevo um, and they kind of ended up managing to get there and play this gig and they had so many people um on the documentary who actually went there and said how much it changed their lives to see something as powerful as a live show when they were stuck in this horrendous situation Amazing. living every day thinking that it was going to be their last day wow that's a really emotional and powerful piece of cinema really it's mm. like you know, that it's, it's, I think the outcome is very positive but I like listen to people's stories because like the first half of it you know, <clears throat> Bruce isn't even on screen for like the first 40 minutes or something it's very much this is what happened, and yeah, you know, I had no idea really about about the Sarajevo situation because you know, I was a child when, <laughs> yeah. when it happened. And yeah, watching how these people's lives were affected, and then how the singer of Iron Maiden could give such a positive reaction to all these people, you know, it was very it's uh, amazing. An amazing thing to see. Definitely, that kind of stuff is always a real. Uh reminded to not take being able to just do something like go and see a metal band for granted Bruce was, very, Bruce was very good in his interviews he sort of said you know you need to appreciate the strength of people's reactions um, you know I kind of went in to play a gig where they were living this every day and he said you go back to Bosnia now and people are kind of talking about very petty concerns and actually it's really good to see because you know in a war zone in a siege situation there are no petty concerns people literally are seeing their friends killed and it's a horrendous situation and mm. the fact that people can now talk about just day to day annoyances it's kind of almost a good thing but I think for me definitely leaving the screening it just made me feel so appreciative like you said of everything because sure. there's lots of places where they don't have the same access to everything that we do yeah it's a, it's a lot of ton of stuff uh, yeah, and if you want to see Screen for Me Sarajevo, uh, I think that's been on limited release in cinemas this week, but it will certainly be out on kind of DVD and yeah, all that kind of stuff uh, afterwards. So look out for that. It's something very, very unique. Uh, what's been going on in the world of heavy metal? Something which I think will have El frothing with excitement. Uh, <laughs> Ramstein are back in the studio. I'm oh. so excited. <laughs> I thought you might be. I don't want it to be Confirmed. like false hope because it's been so long, but there's literally pictures on their Twitter so it must literally be happening mm-hmm. and I'm really excited because I just want to hear new songs so badly absolutely well we knew they were writing last year because we had a very exclusive interview in Metal Hammer of course um, when the guys told us about everything that was going on uh, and now it looks like we might I mean by their standards they've gone in the studio so we might get it in the next two years I guess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah it's a, it's a big machine like there's so many of them involved and they all have different lives and they kind of it's they're sort of very clear like they were in that piece to us that it's almost sort of like a business and they all get together and do Ramstein um, and so a lot of things do have to converge for it to happen but I really want to hear new Ramstein songs really badly and see what new stunts they're going to do for the new songs yeah absolutely yeah. Well, well into that um, Barry Tomorrow also uh, new music on the way more immediately on the way what are we saying about Black Flame I'm in on Black Flame I think it's a great it's song it's catchy yeah <laughs> Both looked at Luke. I guess that means you're not as much. No, 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 it's decent. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm. It, it's a tough one. So I really, really liked Buried Tomorrow when they, they first, you know, broke. I guess when Union of Crowns came out and it was yeah. Union of Crowns um, came out, and it was like this. I think every track on that album's wicked. Yeah. And then since then, I feel like they've 
taking their foot off the gas a bit. Really? Well, so I, I, I have not felt as connected to any of the, like, the two albums that have come I mean, I love Union of Crowns. I think it's like bordering on a kind of what you describe a modern classic of the UK metalcore scene. Yeah. But I thought, I think Earthbound was the best thing they've done. Really? Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Those like, songs on the other side. heavier and just the like... songs like really hit like... Awesome. Yeah, that when you hear that record live and it's just like every song comes on, you're like, yeah, it's this song. Yeah, live, I think they've always been <clears throat> wicked. Like whenever you see them at, you know, at festivals or whatever, it's like you can tell it means so much to them that they're there and that all the songs sound really, really heavy. But yeah, I just I've, I like the new one. As but I've not I've not as I don't know. I just want I just want the new album to be great. I really hope it is. Yeah, fair enough. I think I, I really like it. I think the song's really good. I think it bodes well. Uh, the video is excellent as well. Um, the album's coming in July. I think it's July 13th, but uh, yeah, also called Black Flame. Uh, yeah, big up Barry tomorrow. Doing great things for British metal as always. One piece of news that had me literally squeeing in my house uh, when I saw it at home uh, is that Howard Jones has been back in the studio with Killswitch Engage. <laughs> Unbelievable. And not he's not officially back in the band or anything like that Jesse was there as well but it means it looks like on the next Killswitch album we're going to be getting a track with Howard and Jesse on it I mean that's the dream isn't so, it so so giant cool. metalcore loving it's going to be unbelievable I mean to me one of the greatest bands of all time Alive or Just Breathing End the Heartache both 10 out of 10 classics um, Daylight Dies as well massive Disarm the Descent first one with Jesse back was great yeah, um, I really liked Incarnate as well the last one I know it left a few people cold but I thought it was a great album and yeah I mean I don't even know what that's going to sound like other than just they won't have enough choruses to pack in for the both of them it's just if you've got Jesse doing you know like his you know growls and barks then Howard coming in with like oh. that croon yeah. <laughs> that wonderful oh, croon so so yeah big. I'm really really excited I, I, it feels like Killswitch have kind of um, uh, had a little uh, had a few false starts in a way which sounds stupid because they're, they're, they're still really one of the biggest metal bands in the world like by all yeah by I all accounts so. they're in the upper echelons for sure um, but they've never quite got to that kind of all encompassing arena headliner you know, could be seriously considered festival headliner kind of spot. Before. I still think there's a generation above us that don't take them seriously and don't care about them. Well, they're fucking idiots. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not the whole generation above us, because I know that doesn't apply to a lot of people. But any anyone that and we're all varied ages anyway. But I think there's a generation of older metalheads who were into more classic metal or you know didn't like new metal or only half on new metal or hate metalcore that would never have really sat down and given them the time of day if I'm honest because I think, think? yeah I think so I, I still think there's people who just don't really get what it is I mean to me that's that's wild I think I'm biased because I like good music but I just think if you're not what's not to like you know like the the rip like Adam D's I kind of think we take it for granted a little bit these days because he's been around, you know, best part of it for a couple of decades now and he's goofy and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he does his silly costumes and silly stage banter, but he's still one of the best riff writers ever to hit metal. And when you, you take the fact that they've had not one, but two of the best front men in metal ever as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I so many understand. bands in the past, like what, fifteen years, owe a lot to Killswitch. Yeah, Engage, absolutely. Especially I mean, we, Adam. We just mentioned Barry Tomorrow, and they they will be the first to tell you that the end of Heartache was one of the albums that made them basically exist. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And Adam's gone on to produce younger bands, hasn't he? Like the next wave. So. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been he's been doing a ton of that as well. And yeah, I just think it'll be interesting to see what's next for them because Jesse coming back. I mean, well, when Howard was first in the band, um, no one really got to see them with Jesse over here because the first time Killswitch came over to the UK uh, was on the Road Rage tour in 2000, maybe two or early three, can't quite remember, um, when they played the Astoria. And Howard was great back then. He mm. was great. Like, he was on it. He looked like he wanted to be there. Sounded amazing. Um, and then the last kind of album cycle in, I'd say, three, four years he was in Killswitch, you could tell he didn't really want to be there and... He had his back to the crowd a lot and it, something felt a bit off. Jesse comes back. They are suddenly on fire again. Yeah. Great album. Some of the best gigs ever. Them at Shepherd's Bush in 2012 was literally one of the best metal gigs I've yeah. ever been that to in my incredible. life. Um, and they've just been on it since. And it'd be interesting to see if they can carry on kind of uh, riding the momentum of Jesse coming back into this next into this next phase I hope they can as I, I said so. I think they're one of the best and I think the reaction that everyone had to this picture of uh, uh, Howard and Jesse being there is sort of re- not necessarily reunited the fire but I think everyone's gone this is going to be amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. no one's seen this as negative I think it's showing you how much they mean to people as well like yeah. I was saying there's a generation of fans who they are one of the most important bands going yeah completely in the, yeah, the late what, two, like 2000s I guess yeah, when like they, them, Lamb of God and Mastodon or whatever suddenly exploded, it felt like it was like, oh, wicked, we've now got a new crop with a new wave of American heavy metal or whatever yeah, it's yeah, called yeah, at yeah. the time. It's just like, this is going to be fucking exciting, this is going to be amazing. And Killswitch are still putting out great music, really. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this will be the same. We are <laughs> excited. Bring it on. Love Killswitch Engage. Luke, you've been talking to Isan. I have. Is, is, as you listen to this, his new album is out next week called Amir um, there's an accent on the A and I don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> at least you're being honest Armour I think it's pronounced Armour um, but yeah I say I spoke to him for a Metal Hammer meet that's coming out next week but there's a cl- which is a really sort of interesting and quite quite nerdy chat really about songcraft for quite a lot of it and then we get into a bit uh, at the end we get a bit into religion which wow. uh, sort of about music as religion and believing in Iron Maiden instead of a higher power but uh, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, obviously. But then this clip is more about the new. It's about the new album and about sort of how he created it and how each song has its own identity, but how he ties it all together and his sort of and his idea of concept albums and how again how Iron Maiden sort of introduced him to the idea of telling a story through music. Awesome. Well, we're going to play a little clip of that right now, and then you can check out the whole thing next week. Uh, you said about the new album that each track has its own identity. Was it? That's the intention. <laughs> is it hard to create sort of a whole then from like ten individual parts? That, uh, that that's kind of the the main objective here, and that I've had with all my albums. This this book I have, where I kind of sketch out the album before I start writing, you know, some general guiding lines, really, from and from imagery to 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 lyrical ideas to just sounds. And I have that for every album, and uh, as with my previous Arctis, just to put it in context, that was obviously placed in an Arctic scene. So the metaphors and everything, uh, often revolving um, <laughs> on reoccurring themes, you know, uh, lyrically, but still, you know, from different perspective. So that was very much an outside Arctic landscape type of vibe, uh, and with this new one, uh, it's inside. 
I mean, the, the cover artwork also kind of reflects on that. Uh, and hence, uh, the sounds on the album, uh, it's a very much more intimate production. Uh, it's not all big orchestra arrangements. It's more and you know, very strong emphasis on analog synthesis and that kind of eerie, more... Yeah, if if you compare it to soundtracks, you you have the John Carpenter stuff, and then you have the John Williams yeah. stuff. You know, it's a, it's it's different. It's still powerful, but it's in a different way. So so um, yeah, I had some guidelines like that, and and creating that kind of framework, I think, helps me focus creative energy in that period of time. Because I, yeah, I grew up on albums. I don't want to make. Uh, collection of 10 songs that I happened to write in that period you know you want that to have some kind of connection uh, but of course within that framework uh, I'd like to to kind of ex- explore the extremes so so that's why I have you know songs on the album that are you know purely black metal you know and blast beats to songs that are in in essence just like a pop song yeah and uh, and hopefully still making sense as as one piece well that's sort of the stereotypical idea of progressive music isn't it that all the albums are concept albums is sort of what how non-prog fans see it is that was that always in your mind that you that you know albums are meant to have a a theme or a story or a through line well i i never thought about it in a in a yeah, I, I didn't know that was kind of a prog thing. But, <laughs> no, it's it's basically, I mean, for me, I'm, uh, like um, I, growing up on Iron Maiden, I mean, they they were a very strong thematic, you know, just the imagery of their albums, you know, very strong thematic themes. And like with um, Power Slave, for example, you know, the, the Egyptian styled album, and you have that kind of Egyptian scale, you know, the, with a Power Slave song, you know, that it yeah, yeah. It, it, it goes together. You know, and with uh, my favorite seven, uh, our maiden album, like Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, this kind of icy uh, kind of the, the, the imagery there, and and uh, that story of the Seventh Son, that's obviously a narrative. There's a there's a concept there, but I I always liked albums, and whether they were intended to be or not, you know, when when you grow up and have this these albums and constant repeat, they become representatives of a certain period in your life, and you attach all these kind of uh, experiences and emotions to it that you can kind of relive when you listen to those songs, you know. So and, and that's why I still like to work within that format that I want the album, yes, to to feel as as a whole. It becomes, you know, hopefully, you know, larger than the sum of its parts. Let's take some reader questions. Woo! Facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer Readers. If you want to come hang out with us, tell us what you like about the podcast, tell us what we want to see on the magazine, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. Uh, come hang out. Um, what's going on? Who's asking what? <laughs> Alistair McMillan asks, what's the biggest misconception you'd like to clear up about how the magazine or the music press in general works? Ah, that's deep. Uh, <laughs> I guess, well, when it comes to the perception of the press, I think... I think people often get a little bit confused or kind of assumptuous about how certain decisions are made with, you know, bands we put in the magazine and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you often see things like a band has paid to be on the cover Mm -hmm. or uh, someone's bought a feature or something like that. And it's just kind of like... What was that rumour about paid for reviews? 
paid for reviews you know there's all that kind of stuff as well um you know this idea that someone can throw money at a magazine and maybe that is the case in some mags i don't know the inner workings of every magazine but someone can throw some money at metal hammer and that will mean that we'll give you a nice review or something like that um i mean that's bullshit obviously uh but you know people might not think that's bullshit they might think that's how it how it works but i think if you look at you know last year we had Marilyn Manson on the cover and he gave the album a right review we had Stone Sour on the cover and that that got a 6 out of 10 review we have Metallica on the cover and their last album got a 7 you know certainly not a, a cut and dried thing that uh, it all kind of works together in some weird sinister mafia yeah. <laughs> type yeah. thing so I don't really know where that's come from but I don't know yeah. see looking at the that's app. the one that that's the only thing that still annoys me a little bit when I see some snarky you know some of the what the mostly wonderful uh, people on social media but you did you get a few yeah. kind of that is the only comments. the only one that you know still I just can't get my head around that yeah people think because you write about a band a big band a lot they're obviously paying you mm. so, oh. so it's like no I think people you know, Metallica people probably want to read about yeah they don't need to throw a million pounds at a magazine yeah. or whatever Okay, a good one I saw was that someone said that um, they saw the Power Trip was on our current cover and they said that they're, well, they said they were like a shitty generic band or something, which is ludicrous anyway, but they said that they they pay to get on, they have a management and a label that pays to get them on big tours. Right. And I was like, they're on Southern Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like, a brilliant label, one of the best underground labels, but how much money do you think they have to throw around at stuff? It just blows my mind That's how people think this it. shit works. That's how it goes. If we like it, it tends to go in the magazine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there you go. But yes, sometimes we will cover the big bands more because they they have more fans and people want to read about them. That's how it rolls. Uh, Tristan Chamberlain asks, what has been your favourite instance of a support band upstaging the headliner, including festivals? Only one instantly sprung to mind, uh, which was Bloodstock two years ago maybe maybe was it two years ago when Gajira were on before Mastodon and Gajira yeah. basically wiped the floor yeah. with well with everyone that weekend but it did just because Mastodon are notoriously not great at outdoor festivals anyway mm-hmm. and Gajira yeah, was coming on and proving what can be done and for an hour and then everyone was watching Mastodon like oh fuck like, yeah, you know, yeah, that was which I thought was amazing for Gajira, who are obviously headlining it this year they are probably, yeah. probably stake their claim that. Yeah, probably stake their claim <laughs> Uh, very very good point um, funnily enough we were just talking about Killswitch and I remember when they did uh, Brixton alongside Bullet for Valentine and Bullet closed all those dates but um, you know and it's nothing against Bullet because Bullet are definitely one of the most polished and kind of solid live bands like you know you're going to get a tight show and you know some like bits of pyro and some nice trimmings and all that kind of stuff but <laughs> Killswitch uh, to me uh, like we said earlier one of the best live bands in the world at the moment and if they just weren't hanging no one was hanging with Killswitch that day. There's one that kind of made me sad in a sort of inverse way when we went to see Limp Biscuit and Corn at Wembley. Oh, yeah, and like, that was a really because we didn't think that was going to happen at all, did we? But I was a bit, I was kind of sad about it because Limp Biscuit came on and everyone was going mental and like losing their shit. And Limp Biscuit was sort of playing to sort of the old school crowd and doing all the hits and sort of it was a bit tongue in cheek and kind of. It was a really funny sort of performance because it wasn't like, oh, you know, we've got a new record, we're touring it. It was just like, we're doing this random performance supporting Korn and we're just going to mm-hmm. play all these random songs. Um, and everyone was just crazy. And then Korn came on and the reception was just like a bit lukewarm and people, were, it was still good, but people, it felt like people had kind of, you know, gone all in on Limp Biscuit. 
and then hadn't really saved any energy for corn. And I love that last corn record. And I was a bit gutted. I was like, why aren't people mm. like reacting for these awesome songs? And corn had been on show. such good form these last kind of five or six years live. And Biscuit kind of felt like they'd started going on after their kind of initial big comeback with Wares in 2009. It kind of felt like they'd gone off the boil a bit. But yeah, that gig was funny, wasn't it? I kind of yeah. feel like there was a lot of, not to be snidey, but a lot of kind of part-timers slash old-school new metal guys yeah. and girls who had turned up because it was like kind of all like a nostalgia gig or whatever. Yeah. And because, like you said, yeah, Limp Bizkit just smashed through all the hits, whereas Corn set was quite like 21st century heavy, which yeah. I really like because I, I love really that like shit too. from that era. But yeah, yeah, that was a funny one, wasn't it? Actually? Yeah, I was just a bit like <clears throat> it sort of looked on the surface as though Limp Bizkit had upstaged them, but it was I don't know. Like you said, I think maybe it was the mixture of the people who were there, and I felt a bit sad that Corn weren't getting a bit more recognition. Really, mm-hmm. yeah, very very odd. Uh, Robert Smith asks, uh, "Will is that his real name? Because <laughs> he just happened to have the same name as one of the greatest." Oh right! Of all time. I didn't even I didn't even clock what he meant there, and I was like, "That's harsh." <laughs> if he does, then that's a cool. What if it's the Robert Smith? You know, the Robert Smith wants to know the answer to this question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, will music magazines ever survive being made redundant in the digital age? Yes, Merlin. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, yes, uh, yes, they will. They're, well, they're going to have to. I think you know if you fast forward. A decade or more, maybe we will be in a place where, you know, magazines don't, don't exist at all. Um, I'm not so sure for two reasons, um, personally. And one of those is, I think there's still a good few decades worth of a generation of people who grew up on magazines and kind of, you know, still like that format as a way to get their information and get you some, get some curation, which is very important. You know, the internet gives you endless amount of uh info but it doesn't necessarily give you the curation to actually kind of mould it into something tangible that you can get your head around a bit better and I think magazines will always have a a role to play in that Um, and I think also you know people do still like physical products when when it offers something which I think you know I'm very proud to say I think Metal Hammer definitely still does that yeah I think so I've I've said this before um, I think on the Independent I was quoted when we got interviewed um, as saying that it's going to I think clang it, clang no, <laughs> sorry hey Renfrey um, <laughs> when well, I think magazines will go the same way as the vinyl market where it's a thing that you know say a music magazine will be a thing that a super music fan will buy or yeah. someone who considers themselves a connoisseur not just a fair weather music fan who might have a Spotify account if you, you know, or reads the internet whereas if you're a super music fan you'll, you'll be willing to spend you know a five or a month mm. on Metal Hammer which you should do absolutely and we very much appreciate uh, very much appreciate people that do of course yeah curation I think is really important I'd really agree with you there like to have a place where you can go and say like these are the interesting things going on that are happening and I think you know when um, Hammer did have the incident where the previous company went into liquidation <laughs> and we were bought by a current publisher future uh, there was a bit of me that actually turned to Merlin and was like this is really weird because how am I going to read Metal Hammer like mm. there isn't a place that all these things are going to be in one area that I'm mm. going to be able to pick and read yeah it's, yeah. I mean of course it's a very pertinent question to ask because you know, I'll just mention Hammer did I mean Hammer didn't go out of business as such but our, our parent company uh, definitely did um, and yeah that sucked um, but you know we're, we're, as far as Hammer goes I'm not, I'm not sure if it's something people are thinking about a lot because of what happened before but 
you know, Future uh, have been great with us. They've, they've taken us in. They've allowed us to carry on doing the Golden Gods, which voting is still open for, by the way, and we will be announcing bands for very soon. Um, and, you know, they're supporting us with doing kind of bundles type things like we have with the Trivium issue recently, special edition covers, all the kind of stuff that makes magazines special that you just can't get from, from uh, you know, fr- from just a, an online article or whatever. That said... Uh, the man to my right, Mr. Luke Morton, does of course do a fantastic job with <laughs> making sure we are, are sailing through yeah. the, the digital age with yeah. uh, some level of competence. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly try. Hooray. Robo Kelzor asks, what are your thoughts on Ghost's new video for rats? I love it. I love it. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. We're, we're all in on rats. <laughs> yeah, song's yeah. great. The great video. Song. Awesome video. Yeah. Yeah. singing in the rain goes goth I think we can uh, yeah it's great you know we didn't know if they could follow up Square Hammer one of the greatest singles of the modern age yeah, you love they, that song they've done it again I actually think now I might even like Rats even more it's, it's, really it's so good I mean if nothing else it's got the probably the, the canniest hook I can think of any metal song having the yeah. Rats like that is like <laughs> so clever because you just the first time you hear that you're not going to get that out of your head for months yeah yeah and the video is great as well I kind of want to go to that diner to be honest <laughs> yeah if <laughs> you haven't seen the video it's got uh, the cardinal the new fella in the diner there's rats around and then there's rain and a horse and some oh, yeah. biohazard type thing going on and um, dancing isn't yeah. it? I think some best, sweet moves yeah one of the best bits is when the horse's eyes glow red yeah that's pretty metal yeah Into it. and I think at this point we can say uh, probably two things about a ghost firstly if you like rats you ain't heard nothing yet you just fucking wait because what is coming is going to blow your minds and I can promise you that and if you're excited about ghosts you should probably be paying very close attention to what Metal Hammer's up to next week that's all I'll say for now what's going on here then we'll fi- yeah, you'll all find out <laughs> that is the end of this week's show don't forget that you do have another week to buy our current issue we very much appreciate your support as always and if you're going to be at the Brixton leg of the Hammer Tour we will see you there Ellen and I are going to be there with some of the other Hammer staffers I'm so excited it's going to be very special isn't it uh, and as this went out there were still a few tickets left in London London is actually the only place left in the UK you can still come see Trivium Code Orange Power Trip and Venom Prison all on one stage it's going to be very very special Luke meanwhile is going to road burn I am I'm going to go while well, we're going to be moshing he's going to be chin stroking yeah, yeah. <laughs> his arms folded at the back in what like 30 degree weather or something in tiny venues yeah it's going to be warm it's going to be toasty uh, I'm also I'm not sure if I'm actually going to be in next week or not because uh, I'm going off to Rockville on uh, in Florida on Thursday so I might be having to take time out to prep for that um, but I might see you next week or I might not I'm not really sure who knows who knows I won't you won't. I'm going on holiday. Oh, maybe I'll come in there because someone's got to fucking review the Hammer Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I'll text you my thoughts, Luke. Oh, Some combination of, of uh, Metal Hammer people will be with you for episode 12 next week. Thanks Ooh. very much. We'll see you then. Cheers. Bye. Bye.